So today's talk is called In Inspect What You Expect. Because I think a lot of us run off with these expectations, not understanding the repercussions of, of our pursuit of them. And, uh, and so I, I, have, I, have, I know I have. I've done it a lot in my life. And, and so to look at it and say, okay, well, what a, if I want this, let me look into it. First of all, if I want this, how, how do I go about praying over it so that I, uh, I can be a powerful manifester? You know, probably the best way. If I am expecting a new car, one would think that my, my constantly affirming, I'll never get a new car, would be the wrong way to go about it. <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you agree? I, 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 I expect to win the lottery today. How do I know I expect to win the lottery today? Because I bought a ticket. <laughs> now, once I bought the ticket, I have no business going around affirming that there's an absence of money in my life. Inspect what you expect. If, if you are buying a lottery ticket because you expect to live with an abundance of cash, <coughs> then we've got to stop talking about the, the lack of cash. We've got to quit begging, God, oh God, please, please give me an abundance of cash. Because I don't have enough, is the underlying thought. And, and, and within God, our, the response is, I agree, you don't have enough. You're welcome. And, and, you know, that's often the response from the universe. We, we keep affirming the absence of what we, what we truly want. And what we want to know, what we want more than anything, is to know love. We want that. We want to know it in every aspect of our lives. And, but we're not inspecting what love is. I expect, I, you know, everything I do is because I'm expecting to experience love. And then I wonder something, well, how come I'm not experiencing it? I did not inspect my methods of uh, knowing love, recognizing love. I cannot hurt another person expecting to to have love, and yet so many do it. We do it all the time. We hurt each other, all right and left. We hurt ourselves, and then, but God, they, they told me at unity, I could expect love. Yes, we can expect love. And unfortunately, this is what your love looks like, because you've either hurt yourself or you've hurt another. And we can't keep doing that. As long as we want another to go without love in some form, we can't expect to experience the full abundant presence of love. How can I have a healing if I'm not willing that everybody have a healing? And it's brutal because there are people I don't like. There are just people, and I'm, I'm shocked, as I said. Doesn't it upset you when the people you don't like have friends? It's like, what's, that, what's going on there? How can, I don't like that person. How can you like that person? Because I haven't fully inspected this God being. And I've gotten so much better about it. I've had to look into it and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm judging personalities, not principles. I need to get on board with principle, active and present in my life, and admit that principle is active and present in their life so that what I think about their personality doesn't matter. 
so that there is no valid reason to truly dislike a, a being, a living human being. Because at their core, God is. Because, <laughs> this may shock you, there's some people who don't care for me. <laughs> there's a handful of people who are not, they, they're not writing me a love letter this week. And, and it's okay. It's because they didn't inspect who I am. And I understand because I often have not inspected the good that I am. I expect all the promises of unity, but I don't inspect what I'm going to have to do in order to, uh, or think or do, in order to experience them. I see it in 12-step recovery. A lot of people want all the promises, but they don't inspect what it takes. What it takes, I, I remember years ago, Unity Village, I think it was Unity Village, no, it was Unity of New York, a woman was diagnosed with, with a life-threatening dis-ease. And she said, well, I'm just going to myrtle it. If you don't know what that means, Myrtle Fillmore, Unity's co-founder, she prayed her way to health after being diagnosed with tuberculosis. So two years, two years of daily, constant, affirmative prayer and, and inspection, self-inspection, God inspection, health inspection, in order to finally be free of all the symptoms of tuberculosis. And so when this person said to me, I'm going to just myrtle it. And I said, really? You're ready to make that kind of commitment? Because that is an enormous commitment to surrender your life to the will and care of God. Meaning you will give up, you, you'll give up your pride. Uh, Myrtle Fillmore caught herself somewhere in those two years. Uh, she was getting sick again. So, I don't understand. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I looked at my list of every fault I could find, and I couldn't find any. And that divine voice within said, yeah, okay, now, make a list of your assets, and let's see what's up there. And one of them was pride. She was so proud that she never told anybody when she wasn't feeling well. She was so proud because in New Thought, a lot of people never allowed to mention any kind of sickness, never allowed to mention any upset. But, and, and so they miss out a part of the process of healing. Part of the healing is noticing it's there. Now, you can't entertain the problem, but you, you notice it's there, so then you know where to go within your prayers. And it's not, oh, God, take this away from me again. Don't go begging God for stuff because you're just affirming the problem. But it is a matter of, oh God, I want to be willing to release these thoughts and these behaviors. How would I develop that willingness? And then you'll be divinely guided. I know I am and I'm not special, so anybody who wants to be divinely guided can be, but it's like, uh, oh, but oh, but I can't. I can't. Just can't give up these, these thoughts and these behaviors. But I still want the wellness. Okay. You know, I'm not going to forgive everybody, but I want everybody to forgive me. And I want to be happy, joyous, and free. I was taught God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. And it did. Uh, well, yes, it is. God's will for you is to be happy, joyous, and free. However, in order to experience that happy, joyous, and free. It is, you got to show up mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, in order to, 
take hold of the happy, joyous, and free. I'm often reminded of the third step prayer and within the 12 steps, which is God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, to do with me as thou wilt. Isn't that lovely? And it was that will part that always confused me in the beginning till I heard some woman say one night, uh, but God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. And I went, oh, thou will, to do with me as thou will, to make me happy, joyous, and free. Relieve me of the bondage of self. It, has it took me years and years and years to really grasp what the bondage of self was. It's that I thought about me. There's an old line, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I, I, that I, that I thought everything was about me because I, I see it. I have a thought about it. It must be about me. And and I and no and I neglected to go within and ask what is this about until I learned to go within and ask what is this really about? If God is love itself. And God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. So relieve me of the bondage of self. And I realize, oh, it's such a burden to have everything be about me. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody live in that burden? Have you ever lived in that burden? Where, oh, oh my gosh, who can drag that around all day? Lots of people. It could be why they're so furious. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, there was another mass shooting last night. In Miami, yes, and uh, and and it's, and, and it's it's because somebody's furious. They're furious and confused, and they're told they can be loved and they can have, can have love and experience love, and they don't know how to grasp it. Because I know, as a child, I wasn't taught how to change my mind. I wasn't taught how to change what I think. Except you, I better think differently, or I'm going to get it. I don't know what I was going to get. I only got hit a couple of times, and I don't mean beaten, I mean spanked. I, uh, but I was shamed. That's really how I got it. They would shame me. You should know better. Well, why? Who's, to, who, who's the example around here showing me how I should know better? And I got the, I, I got the one. It's uh, basically the lesson I learned. Okay, to lie for me, but not to me. <laughs> you, what do you mean you won't lie for me? Uh, because you taught me lying is wrong. Well, I didn't mean this. <laughs> and so the bondage of self is I'm going around all the time. Am I safe here? Am I safe here? What should I do here? What do I have to think here? What do I have to do? You know, and the world gets smaller. And, it, and suddenly, and, and that, that's why how racism is born and race consciousness is born. People, I got to get rid of these people because... They're making my world bad. And if I get rid of them, then I'll be okay. And then it'll, be, it'll just be us good people. Doesn't matter that I'm a murderer. It, it means that I, 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 I'll be safe because it's okay to murder the bad people. And it's a, the Bible will tell you that. The first murder, Cain thought it was okay to kill Abel, his brother. He thought that would relieve him of his burden of feeling inferior. Read your book of Genesis. It says it right there. And then... Again, what do we have? Four people on earth, and God says, where's your brother? <laughs> <laughs> Am I my brother's keeper? 
And people took that lie forever and said, I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm not my brother's. That's been their big defense for not showing up for each other, at least the ones we don't like. I'm not my brother's keeper. Well, we are our brother's keeper because we are our brother. We are our sister. And they are us. And somehow in this cosmic thing, in this spiritual thing, we are all one. And, and I don't necessarily, I can't explain it. I don't have the proper words to put it, but it, it's logical to me. It makes sense. And so we go back to the, so the, I expect by saying that prayer, I, I expect to be relieved of the bondage of self. I expected it a lot sooner than when I found it, but relieve me of the bondage of self. Why? That I may better be happy, joyous, and free. Isn't that lovely? The prayer says, better do thy will, but it's actually, that I may better be. And then it says, take away my difficulties. Oh, is that the best? Take away my difficulties. My rent will be paid. <laughs> Again, it's still about me. But why not? I'm the one saying the prayer. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, take away my difficulties. Why? The victory over them will bear, bear witness to those I would help. Of thy wealth, of thy... The, the, like how are the way of life. Oh, yeah. If I don't do it all at one time, I get lost. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's like spelling Mississippi. I, uh, that I may better do thy will. May I do thy will always. And so, to realize, oh, if I live in the promises I got from the 12 steps from unity, and whatever, if I truly live in them, I am being of service. Because I have then learned how to overcome the limitations of living. And people can say, how'd you do that? And then I can tell them. Now, unity has these five basic unity principles. Five basic unity principles. I'm sure you can read them. Should I put them back here so everybody can read them? Uh, the first principle is God is good and active in everything, everywhere. God is good. Okay, I didn't know God was necessarily good. I didn't have that word when I was a kid. I wasn't necessarily good. I was only good if I behaved. You better be good. And I, and so I, I never say that to, to children now. I, I always say, you know, you better be behaved. Because <laughs> it's, a, it's a pain if you're not. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is. It's annoying when people don't behave. But God is all good and active in everything everywhere. And when I, well, the first time I read this, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. This is just fantastic. This is what, why I stayed in unity. Because it's not conditional. Oh, I didn't show you. You can have this one, don't uh, <laughs> And then number two, I am naturally good because God's divinity is in me and in everyone. Well, what a relief. Again, we're back to even the people I don't like. Even the people I've decided to be afraid of. God is good and in them too because God is in me and I don't have to differentiate between us anymore. Principles before personalities. It, it's, and, and the moments when I'm able to practice that, it, it really is quite wonderful. Three, I create my experiences by what I choose to think and what I feel and believe. And so nobody's forcing me to think and believe. And uh, anybody ever been in a relationship <laughs> you know, wasn't it their fault? <laughs> 
for you know and it's like oh i'm choosing this and i'm choosing this and i'm choosing this and i don't want to admit i've chosen this because because they haven't apologized yet or they haven't acknowledged it yet or whatever but it's i create my experiences and you know to even to how do you tell a child that well honey you're creating your experience about this because of what you're choosing to think imagine telling that to a five-year-old <laughs> Tell this to your grandchildren. Honey, you're choosing this. <laughs> That's just beautiful, isn't it? But what you can do with a child is say, let's create this experience over here. And then you start working with the children that, oh, I can create something over here. And you begin to forget about the other thing. Uh, fourth, rather than I'll give you something to cry about. That's always <laughs> encouraging. Four, through affirmative prayer and meditation, I connect with God and bring out the good in my life. Through affirmative prayer and meditation, I connect with God and bring out the good in my life. Charles Fillmore, Unity's co-founder, defines prayer as conscious communion with God. And so through affirmative prayer, what is affirmative prayer? Somebody said that to me. What's a denial? What's, a, what's an affirmation? I was telling them about unity. Uh, and, and I said, well, an affirmation is... All good, all, all good is present everywhere. There is a healing thought available for my mind and my body. And she said, well, what, what, is, it, what is denial? And I said, uh, there is no experience that is the boss of me. There is no health experience that is true or accurate if it is less than love. There, uh, you know, things all of a sudden I'm going blank. I, 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 you know, I could go in my office and sit down and write a million affirmations and denials. And, uh, but I, th I think, do you get the point? Mm -hmm. Do you? Do you? Or have I been in, insufficient? There's yeah. no lack Jesus. of love. There's no lack of money. There we go. There is, there is no lack of any good thing. And so, I, I, so I've got to inspect what I expect to see as a good thing. I've got to inspect that and say, oh, I think money is a good thing. Why? Why? I seem to be mad at it half the time. <laughs> I, I feel like it, it has deserted me some days. So how, and, but, but I want, I want a lot of it. So is that so? Because I, th I expect then it will never desert me. And I have no idea. What would happen if I had what I consider a lot of money? You know, there, there's the old joke about the wealthy man. Very, very, very wealthy man. And he wants all his money converted into gold bricks. So he has all his money converted into gold bricks. And they're all in trunks. And when he dies, he drags these trunks into heaven with him. And he gets to the gates. St. Peter comes running to the gate and says, what's up? And he said, well, I brought this. And... Uh, Peter opens the trunk and says, you brought pavement? <laughs> Streets are paved with gold. <laughs> Nothing. We take it for granted here. Uh, it was so valuable to this man that he had to lug it all the way into heaven. And uh, I imagine most of us but they are, are thinking in some way, gee, I wish I had more money than I have. No matter what we have, I wish I had more than I have. Uh, why? Because it is my expectation that if I had more, it would be a good thing. Now, I'm not here to tell you it's not a good thing. 
nor will I tell you it's a bad thing if we had less. What I will tell you is we need to inspect our expectations so that we get our mind in the right place about money, about wealth, about uh, abundance. How do we do that? Conscious communion with God. Conscious communion with spirit. Spirit, tell me what to think about money. Tell me what to think about it. Years ago, I worked with a, a couple on counseling. I, I did a thing here where I was willing to give three, three counseling sessions at no fee uh, around prosperity. And everybody had to read Edwin Gaines' book, The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. There was one particular couple that I worked with, and they, they, cause they came as a couple. And, and we talked, and it was so interesting because they couldn't get together on what they wanted to set goals. They just could not. And I said, how about you guys come to see me separately? Now, one person, well, I could say the wife. Nobody's going to know who it is. If they don't, we haven't seen these people in years and years. Uh, the wife uh, wanted, uh, she loved stuff. She loved jewelry. She loved clothes. She loved travel. She liked cars. She liked, she liked all this stuff. And the husband, I'm not sure what he liked. But when he came to see me, by himself, everything he wanted was to get rid of something. His goal was to get rid of weight. He uh, was to get rid of debt. And I had to say, well, I understand you, you, you don't want to be in debt. You want to be solvent. But how much would you like to have? How much money would you like to have? Rather than trying to get rid of something because God does not have a void. And, and I said, what would you like to weigh? And whatever else it was. And what impressed me is when the wife came to see me, one-on-one, -on -one, everything she wanted was spiritual. There was nothing material that she was asking for in her goals. It was all about knowing God more. And I would not have expected that. So my guess is the husband took on the thought, the only way she's going to be happy is to get everything. If I give her all the stuff and everything so she could be over there relaxing and desiring God. And, and so I, and I paid attention to that. And, and so our, but it says, I create my experiences for what I choose to think and what I feel and believe. Through affirmative prayer and meditation, I connect with God and bring out the good in my life. And so, if I simply am working at shifting the world, I'm never going to get to experience God in the way I want to. Now, Grant, it may take us to our bottom, where there's nothing left to desire but God. You know, because everything else will have turned out to be such a disappointment because we didn't allow God to be in it. We hadn't inspected what we expected. And so, and so to pay attention, that I... I, I remember when I started at one point, I just wanted to connect with God. That was my whole goal every, each and every day. I just wanted to connect with my source. And my life got better. My life got so much better and different. And, and it's like, oh wow, this, this is lovely. And then the fifth one, it says, I do and give my best by living the truth. I know I make a difference. And what it means is I have to put the principles into action. Principle in theory means nothing. 
principle in action. And sometimes it means a terrific risk to our ego. Sometimes it means I'm going to go out on a limb and expect to thrive because I want to know God in this. I want to know the joy that is promised in this. I want to know how to be happy, joyous, and free in authenticity. I want to know. I was promised it's possible. Today I promise each and every one of us it is possible. But it will cost us something. It will cost us our lack. It will cost us our rage. It will cost us our sickness. It will cost us our inharmony. It will cost us everything that is the opposite of love. And what is the opposite of love? Fear. And all that stuff I listed before, it's just another form of fear. I'm going to read one thing for you. Or out of the Holy Spirit's interpretation. It comes from Matthew, chapter 21. It says, Peace comes from laying down your expectations and your judgments and accepting the truth as it is. There is no other way to accept the truth, for to accept it in any way other than as it is is not to accept the truth. It is to accept delusion over truth, and in delusion, you are lost from truth. So it is better to meet your brother or your sister without expectations. In this way, you have opened your heart to see him or her or them as they are. In finding them, you find yourself. So, inspect what you expect. Inspect what you expect from yourself. See if it is sufficient. See if you have the proper expectations of yourself in order to experience your heart's desire. See if you have the pro inspect what the expectations you have of each, of each other to see if they match what it is you want to experience of God in yourself. Inspect your heart's desire. And if it feels right and nobody gets hurt, go for it. Thank you.